Hi, I'm Eric Berry from the Starfleet Escape Podcast, and you're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. All right, welcome back uh, to Ballpark Bros, the show where us two bros talk about sports. That's right. That's Tom. I'm Mike, and missing is David. He's off on assignment in Denver. That he is. Uh, he went out there to see the Broncos take on the Falcons this weekend. Um, he did prepare a couple of remarks. I'm just going to go ahead and read his recap of the Broncos game, and then we'll go ahead and get into the game that Tom and I went to. Uh, this is straight from David. It says, Paxton Lynch clearly wasn't ready to start an NFL game. He was missing throws early from a combination of bad aim, bad timing, and forgotten routes. Matt Ryan picked apart Denver's defense early, but the Broncos came up big on the goal line until the Falcons scored on fourth and one from the one. Denver's D kept the Broncos in the game long enough to mount a comeback that fell seven points short. But overall, Denver's defense still wasn't very impressive. Falcons had too many wide-open receivers. Oddly, Matt Ryan didn't throw too many long balls. Lunch's O'Lyric's attempt was behind his receiver. Don't know what that was supposed to mean. I'll ask him about it later. I probably should have proofread this. The major takeaway for me is that Paxton is nowhere close to being a starter. He needs to work on virtually every aspect of the game. At one point, he had to leave the pocket and direct receivers into position, but had absolutely no awareness of the field around him and the play resulted in a sack. Another sterling performance from Matt Ryan in his offense, but also a terrific effort from the presumptive AFC South, NFC South winning Atlanta Falcons. As a Saints fan, it felt wrong to type that, and I have since broken all of my all of my own fingers so that it will never happen again. The Denver Broncos need Trevor Simeon back ASAP. They're still in great position to win more games and get back to the playoffs, but their best shot is with Simeon. So that's from David, who was actually at the game. Um... I kind of tend to agree with him that Paxton Lynch was not ready. I didn't see a lot of the game. I did check out the highlights, but uh, he did look a little confused out there. Well, I, I really think the uh, the reason he performed so well when he had to come in in, in relief was because they were just so much better than, than the opposition, and he they were already in a rhythm around him. Right. And so he didn't have to work too hard. Yeah, very true. Um I, from what I understand, they should get Simeon back next week, so uh, all things should be righted uh, by then. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this game a little bit more later on. Um, the game that Tom and I were at, we went up to Detroit to Ford Field to see the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Detroit Lions in a game that was just very poorly officiated. A lot of blown calls, a lot of missed calls. Um, the big one that stands out to me is when uh end of the game, Carson Wentz throws that interception defender's hands were all over the receiver's back and on his shoulder before he leapt up to get the ball just terrible effort by the officials yesterday yeah it was uh it was i i went into the game with no rooting interest at all because neither of these teams has any bearing on my team making or missing the playoffs um but by the end of the game i found myself uh cheering for the eagles because all the calls seemed to be going the other way and it's just it, if you're going to call a bad game, call a bad game for both teams. Yeah, if, if the officiating's equal and bad, that's better than being one-sided and bad. Um, the, uh, the other big one for me was when Stafford lost his helmet, and the replay showed that it looked like a Lions player was the one that knocked it off, not an Eagles player. Yeah. It was a 15-yard penalty, and that kind of stuff isn't reviewable, which that leads right. into a whole, a whole debate about that, but we don't have time for that today. But just... Poorly executed by the refs and poorly executed by both teams, uh, the Eagles in the first half and the Lions in the second half. Lions well, scored 21 in the first half and three in the second half. On okay. that, uh, that fumble by Ryan Matthews, all he had to do was hold on to the ball, and they they punt, and they get the Lions, you know, have to drive 80 yards. 
or so. But he no fumbles the ball, and and they have a short field, and they go down and and score. Yeah, it. I don't I don't understand why he was fighting for the extra yard. He was going to get tackled for a loss no matter what, or you know, short gain, whatever it was. You just just go down. Fighting for the extra yard is what lost you the ball. Yep. So uh, we'll give a couple stats on that game a little bit later as we discuss all the NFL action on Saturday. I was up in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, some of our viewers might not know where that is. It's uh, just next to Ann Arbor where the University of Michigan is. I went up to see the Eastern Michigan Eagles play the University of Toledo Rockets. That game had some pretty poor officiating, too. Also very one-sided. Toledo got the benefit of a lot call, a lot of calls. But they were the better team, so I don't think it really impacted the outcome too much. Uh, Toledo won the game 35-20. to 20. I was the only one that picked the Eagles uh, for the upset. Uh, David and Tom picked UT. We're not going to get into the picks this week. It was just bad all around. Um <laughs> Maybe I'll post something on Facebook later. Well, the college picks we'll were see. bad, but yeah, a lot of us did pretty all right with the uh, NFL picks. Yeah, not by, too, by which I mean I did pretty all right with not, the NFL. Picks. Not too shabby on those, but I do. Yeah, I do believe Tom was a clear winner. I didn't run numbers this week again. But, so, uh, but speaking of posting things on social media, uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, and we are also on Twitter at the number four E Ballpark Bros. And on our Facebook page. This week, we are going to be doing a prize giveaway. Everybody loves and prizes. Yes, everybody does love prizes. Uh, here's how you're going to be able to enter. Uh, listen to today's show, which you're obviously already doing. Uh, like our Facebook page and check the page for the question about today's show. We'll ask you about something that one of us said, and you need to share the post and enter your answer, and we'll pick a winner from the correct answers. We'll announce the winner on next Monday's show. And we will contact the winner for their address and go ahead and ship the prize out to them. You got to check the Facebook page to see what the prize is. We're not going to tell you what it is here on the show. So intrigue. Mystery. So um, Toronto went ahead and clinched their ALDS series against the Rangers yesterday. Got the Uh, brooms out for this one. Pretty stunning 7-6, 10-inning win. Shocking. Yeah, none of us saw that coming, obviously. We all had the Rangers going to the ALCS. Uh, David, being a Toronto fan, also had a couple of remarks prepared that he wanted me to read, and then Tom and I will get into it. David says, I honestly don't know what to say about the Jays series. The Jays stumbled into the wild card down the stretch, which didn't shock me by dropping Baltimore, but completely stunned me and probably everyone else by sweeping the Rangers. And it couldn't taste any sweeter for sweeter than Odor after his unkind behavior earlier in the season, forgetting just exactly where first base was located. Maybe if Bautista scored instead of Donaldson. But in any case, this was an incredible series from the Jays. However little they deserved to be here, they're here now. They're in the ALCS. That was a very shocking series. Right. Well, right from the get-go. They, they come out in game one and win it 10-1. to and just, you know, absolutely going uh, bonkers with the bats there. And then on top of that, having the great pitching. Right. Um, the For me, it was just the attitude that they displayed. They played like a team that knew they were going to win. Right. Every single game. Well, they, they, they played like the team that they know they are, as opposed to the team that they've been displaying the past couple of weeks. Right. And I think a lot of that had to do with the opponent. Knowing what it, you know, what had happened, the punch, the bat flip, all of it. Right. I think, I think that had a lot to do with their demeanor coming into the game, uh, coming into the series. And yeah, like I said, you know, three zero sweep, and now they're just waiting on the winner of the Cleveland Boston series. Uh, Cleveland leads that two games to zero. Uh, they won game one five to four, and game two uh, with a six to nothing shutout. So it looks like they got a pretty good chance to close things out. 
um, they play today at six, and then if needed, Tuesday and Wednesday. They did have a rain out earlier in the week. Um, I I expect them to wrap things up as much as we were all on yeah. Boston. I I do expect Cleveland to wrap things up at this point. It just seems like they they got a better matchup than 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 we thought they did, and Cleveland is a really good team and. There's a reason they had that long winning streak during the season, and there's a reason that they made the playoffs, and and you know that's they've been playing great. Yeah. So uh, were we at a game during that streak, or was the streak over by that point? Um, Tom and I went well, to see the Orioles play the Indians. If we were at a game during that streak, it was the game that ended the streak because they lost. They did. They did. Now that you mentioned, yeah. So I don't know if we were at the ending the game or the streak ending game or not, but we were there earlier, and they. Even in that loss, they did look like a very good offensive team. Um, so it's no surprise that they've put up five and six against Boston so far. Uh, on the NL side of things, we've got the the Nationals and the Dodgers tied up one game apiece. Uh, LA won 4-3 in game one and Washington 5-2 in game two. Uh, they will take the field today at about 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm expecting the Nationals to take today's game and take a 2-1 lead, even though it is in L.A., what are your thoughts? Um, well, they they might win to get today's game, but I I, I still don't think they're going to win the series because uh, L.A. is just too good. Oh, well, L.A. was able to steal that that first one. Yeah, and uh, you, if, you, if you they had can get Scherzer on the hill for uh, for the Nationals, and they were, the Dodgers were able to tack on four runs on him, and yeah. you, you just don't see that a whole lot. Right, but I mean. Even in that game, Kershaw didn't pitch well either. He he gave up all three of the runs against him. True. And and then that ended up being the final. So you know if if they can get their pitching back to you know being spot on, then they'll be fine. Well, the Nats should rebound today. They got Gio Gonzalez taking the hill. A uh, pretty solid pitcher. I know he had a rough year, but uh, still pretty solid all around. I look for them to rebound today. In the other series, uh, Cubs took a two nothing lead on the Giants. Uh, they took Game One by a score of one to nothing. I watched that game um, from start to finish. John Lester and Johnny Cueto were just both absolutely dominating. Uh, Lester's line: eight innings pitched, five hits, five strikeouts. Cueto: eight innings pitched, three hits, one run, ten strikeouts. Somebody had to lose that game, and 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 that one of those three hits was the run and that's right the yeah the solo shot from Javi Baez in the bottom of the eighth as as much as you knew it was out there was still that moment where you kind of held your breath because the way the wind was blowing at Wrigley not so sure that ball was going to make it out of the yard and it just barely got into those baskets that hang right, right. above the ivy I still don't know about those baskets I mean like I guess you got to have something there with the with the brick wall but that's a little strange that they do protrude a little bit over the that's oh, better field. than having a hill in center field looking at you houston hey they got rid of that did they get it rid of it this year or is that next year uh i'm not sure thought it was scheduled for next no. year at any rate uh cubs and giants face off tonight in san francisco at 9 30 um madison bumgarner jake arietta now obviously the giants use bumgarner in the wild card game so you know he's not going to be their game one starter for this series but how good is the Cubs pitching that they can save Jake Arrieta for game three of this series well they it's 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 not a factor of how good their pitching is which is really good but it's it's a factor of they have the bats to back up any bad pitching and the Giants don't really have that they have to rely on on their starters pitching a decent number of innings in order for them to have a real shot uh, unfortunate thing for for the Cubs in that game, uh, starter Kyle Hendricks 
uh, only made it two innings, uh, took a line drive. Uh, I, I believe it hit him in the arm. Uh, he tried to he tried to throw a couple practice pitches to see if he could work through it, but they ultimately pulled him and put Travis Wood into the game, which actually also helped out their offense in game two with the solo shot. Right. Um, first Cubs pitcher since Kerry Wood to hit a home run in the postseason. I believe that was ba- uh, back in 2003 or four. Um, uh, right around the last time they were in the postseason. Oh eight, oh nine, they were in. No? Yeah. Um, but I mean, Kyle Hendricks just. Absolutely amazing year, sixteen and eight, two point one three ERA. That was better, uh, best in baseball uh, by a good chunk, I do believe. Right, and, and who really saw that coming? Who who saw him being the one of the best pitchers? Loyal Cubs fans. Uh, we we got to see him work all last year, and there there was definitely it was kind of the same course that Jake Arrieta took from two years ago to last year. You could see the hints of it two years ago, right. and then last year he became that dominant pitcher. And the same thing for Kyle Hendricks. Last year you could see that he had what it took to get to that level, and this year he finally put it all together. And a lot of it had to do with that defense behind him, too. Yeah. Addison Russell, I mean, Javi ba- Baez, uh, Ben Zobrist in the middle, you know, the rotation of those three guys, and Chris Bryant, a very underrated third baseman. Right, and they they, they made some great defensive plays in, in, in both of the games so far that, that have really helped out their pitchers, too. And it's it's really going to take the whole team to, to get you there, and... They seem to have the whole team there. Whether it happens all in the same game or not is a different story. Yeah, it it does seem like everything's lining up for them, especially in this series. So we'll see. Um, so what, are, are we're in agreement on the Indians winning tonight? Uh yes, I believe so. And uh, you got L.A. and I'm taking Washington, and we're both in agreement about the Cubs closing out tonight. Or you think Bumgarner gives them one more game? Um, given Bumgarner's performance in elimination games, I. I won't be surprised if they win, but I'm really not expecting it. Uh, if they get to Bumgarner and if he doesn't have the control that he has, you know, he could have an off game. And if they send a lot of the uh, at-bats to, you know, 10, 11 pitches and get his pitch count up, they're going to have to uh, pull him. You know, you can't let him pitch 200 pitches and try to win the game. Right, right. Uh, it, it should be a good matchup, Arietta Bumgarner together. Uh, looking forward to that tonight. Over in the world of the NHL, we got two stories for you. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning are going to retire the jersey number 26 of Martin St. Louis. Uh, he played 972 games for the Lightning, scoring 365 goals with 953 total points. I really, really like St. Louis. I thought it was terrible when they traded him to the Rangers, uh, but good to see that they're doing the right thing and honoring him down there in Tampa. Right, and well, it sometimes you just you trade a player because you you don't want to pay that much for a, a leadership type role. And even though he could still produce uh, at the end of his career there. It wasn't at the level that they were used to, so right. they needed to move on. And I think it was also better for him to move on and you know go somewhere else and help those youngsters. It's good to see that there's no bad blood after that move. Right, and I mean, he's definitely a future Hall of Famer. Um, I believe it's the first retired number in Lightning history. Yes. And I can't think of a more deserving guy, and I'm sure Stamkos will be up there next to him. Yeah, well. One day. Eventually. He's still got a long career ahead of him. Yeah. So uh, The other story, uh, Neil Yakupov uh, was traded from... Uh, uh, the Oilers. The Oilers, sorry. I could not think of their team name. Uh, down to the Blues. Uh, in his career, he's got 50 goals... 111 points, uh, minus 88. Not great. Well, that's not exactly his fault. Right. He's not great on defense, but... Right. No, I, I get it. Um, 
Last year, eight goals, 23 points, minus 16. Uh, former first overall pick in the 2012 draft. He's only 23 years old, so good solid pickup by the Blues. There is room for him to grow, and uh, playing for a team like the Blues, he's going to learn defense because they have actual defensemen there. Right, yeah, his weaknesses won't be as evident on a team like that. And he'll he'll be playing on a line that can produce as opposed to playing with guys like... Uh, um, Milan Lucic and you know guys who are you know their names in the NHL but they're he was on a third and fourth line in Edmonton and third and fourth lines are not high powered production lines so he's obviously going to have some struggles there uh, I, I feel like he can be a second liner with the Blues um, he, he definitely does replace some of the uh, playmaking ability uh, that left when Backus left but He's going to have to learn the defensive game. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think it's a solid pickup by the Blues and didn't give up much to get him a conditional yeah. pick and a prospect. So good good deal by them. Uh, jumping over to women's hockey now. Uh, the NWHL did kick off this past Friday. Uh, they had a game on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. On Friday, the Boston Pride beat the Buffalo Buttes 4-1. to one. Uh, Alex Carpenter had a goal and an assist for Boston. On Saturday, the Boston Pride beat the New York Riveters 6-3. to uh, Boston got two goals from Brianna Decker, and uh, Amanda Kessel got two assists for the Riveters. And Sunday's action, the Buffalo Buttes had an amazing comeback uh, against the Connecticut Whale. Uh, Haley Skarupa for Connecticut had a hat trick and an assist. That's the, uh, it's the first hat trick in Connecticut Whale history. Is it? Yeah. Good, good for her. Good for them. Uh, unfortunately, it came in the losing effort. Uh, Kelly Stedman scored two goals for Buffalo to help them come back from the deficit. They scored three in the third. So good, good comeback win by them. I watched the uh, the uh, game against the uh, Buttes and the Pride, and the the Buttes really played hard and played well. But they just had a poor second period, and and that really is what. Uh, kept them from winning that game um and then the same thing uh with the game against the whale they you know they gave up a lot of goals in the second period and that's what had them down four to two right and they they just came out strong in the third period and and got those goals and were able to come away with the w and it took some uh pretty good goaltending too in that third period because the the whale didn't let up you know they didn't just sit back and and you know dump the puck in and hope for the best. They were they were in the zone taking shots and and trying their best to keep scoring, but they just couldn't get it in. Uh, who is the goaltender for the Buttes? Uh, they actually go with a two goalie system. Um, Shanae Lundberg. Oh no, that's that's the whale there. Uh, Amanda Levey and Brianne McLaughlin and. Uh, they actually, in both games that they've played so far, they've had one goalie play two the first two periods and another goalie play the third. Pretty interesting approach. See how that works out for them over the course of the season, if they're going to keep that up. Well, it's it's got them to one and one, so right. I mean, their best bet is to put their best goalie in and make sure she's in for the uh, second period if they're going to keep coming out with stinkers in that one. Right, right. Well, NWHL will be back in action on Saturday the 15th at 6.30 with the Buffalo Buttes taking on the Boston Pride. And then they will have the Riveters hosting the Whale on Sunday the 16th. And you so. can uh, watch all the games for free on uh, YouTube or on NHL, NWHL.zone. Yes. They, they did change their website from last year. 
It's no longer .com. It is a .zone. Uh, wild, wild weekend in the NFL. Some of these games, um, a lot of blowouts, but the close ones were extremely good games. Uh, Thursday night, clunker of a game. Cardinals 33, 49ers 21. David Johnson had 157 yards and two touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald, 81 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Carlos Hyde and Blaine Gabbert had 70 yards and a touchdown each. It's not really worth talking about. On to the Brady, Sunday game. Tom Brady came back. Woo! And boy, guess. did he. 406 yards, three touchdowns, all three to Martellus Bennett, uh, infuriating Rob Gronkowski fantasy owners all over the planet. Curse you, Tom Brady. That has nothing to do with fantasy football. That's just Tom's no. general, you know, everyday setting. Uh, the, they beat the Browns 33 to 13. That moves the Patriots to four and one. Drops the Browns to 0 and five. The only winless team, and they lost I two mean, more two more quarterbacks. Uh, well, they did lose Cody Kessler, um, and then they put in Terrell Pryor. Then they took Terrell Pryor out because they presumably needed somebody to catch the ball uh, and put in Charlie Whitehurst, who then proceeded to get injured. So they had to put uh, Terrell Pryor back in. And then Charlie Whitehurst came in at the end of the game to take a knee to mercifully end the game. What a clown show. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, We've talked about it a lot on the show and we won't beat a dead horse, but uh, something's got to change at some point, you'd think. But here we are, five games in, they're still just as terrible. And honestly, it should really only count as half a win for the Patriots because it's they're just so bad in Cleveland, and it's really difficult to, to understand why. It's not. It's bad ownership. It's bad management. It's just not knowing the game. It's it's. I know, but it's why it's gone on so long. Yes, yeah. since the time they've come back into the league. Since the dawn of time. Over in Detroit, uh, as we discussed before, the Lions won 24-23 over the Eagles. Uh, lo- first loss on the season for Philadelphia. Drops them to 3-1. Detroit improves to 2-3. and three. Matt Stafford, three touchdowns. More importantly, no interceptions. He did have one hilarious fumble. I turned to Tom and I said, this is where Matt Stafford's going to blow it. He's going to throw an interception right here. And then he just kind of dropped the football as he was running down Nobody the field. Nobody touched him. Um, I still take credit for that. I think that was my doing. Theo Riddick, two touchdown receptions on the day. Not a whole lot on the ground. And Carson Wentz threw his first interception of the season. And as we discussed, Of his career. Yeah, of his career. And as we discussed, uh, Ryan Matthews with that late fumble that uh, turned everything around for Detroit. Uh, while that was going on, the Colts were beating the Bears 29-23. Andrew Luck, 322 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Frank Gore passed Jim Brown for ninth on the all-time rushing list. Uh, Jim Brown has 12,312 yards. And Frank Gore added 75 yesterday to get him up to 12,368. T.Y. Hilton added in 171 yards and a touchdown through the air. Well, that's because he's T.Y. Hilton, and that's what he's going to do every week when he's, you know, getting the ball thrown to him when he's getting open and when Andrew Luck's staying upright. Yeah. When they're well when they're playing a defense without a good pass rush. Well, yeah. Uh for the Bears, guys, if you play fantasy football and you're you got a struggling quarterback, go out and pick up Brian Hoyer. Third straight game over three hundred yards, three hundred and ninety seven through the air, two touchdowns. Jordan Howard, another great game filling in for Jeremy Langford. Don't know if Jeremy Langford's gonna have a job to come back to at this point. Hundred and eighteen oh. yards. And Cameron Meredith, 130 receiving yards and a touchdown for the Bears. You know, the Bears have also said that uh, the quarterback job is Hoyer's to win. If he continues playing this well, uh, he will become the starter as soon as Cutler's healthy. And it, that just happens, you know. Well, He's he's playing better than Cutler has for much of his, his career. career. 
Cutler has those games where he is really, really good. Then he often follows them up with games where he's not good at all. Yeah. It's very unfortunate for the Bears to throw all that money at him and for him to just be as bad as he has been. But, you know, maybe they can turn to Hoyer and, you know, if they can get the right pieces on defense, maybe they can be competitive. Their offense clearly is not the issue. Right. Um, couple more blowouts we're going to run through just really quickly. I'll give you a scores and a couple stats. Titans 30, Dolphins 17, Marcus Mariota, 163 yards to the air, three touchdowns, 60 rushing yards and a touchdown. DeMarco Murray, 121 yards. The defense had two interceptions and six sacks, also forced to fumble. Ryan Tannehill, two interceptions. The fans started chanting for Matt Moore. I think it's time. Uh, I think uh, we all think it's time. Yeah. Just not a good quarterback. No, no. Uh, Vikings improved to 5-0 with a 31-13 win over Houston. Loss drops Houston to 3-2. and Still in the lead in the AFC South. Sam Bradford, 271 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, 127 yards and a touchdown uh, with Stephon Diggs out of the lineup. Defense had an interception and four sacks. Brock Osweiler, pedestrian again, 184 yards, touchdown, interception. Uh, Houston as a team only had 59 rushing yards. Can't win a game if you can't run the ball. And you can't run the ball if you don't have any decent running backs. Well, there's that too. Uh, you got your Steelers taking yeah. down the Jets 31-13. to Game was uh, a lot closer than that for much of it. Yeah. Um, oh, the Jets well, decided I mean, just score-wise. Right. The, the Jets, Jets decided to punt late down 11, which led to the last Steelers touchdown. Right. Didn't make a lot and of sense. No. when when They they punted with like seven minutes left, and the Steelers just drove down, took six minutes off the clock, and scored a touchdown. You know, that is, essentially seals the game for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Big Ben had 380 yards and four touchdowns. Sammy Coates. 71-yard touchdown catch to open the game. Finished with 139 and two touchdowns. Pick him up in fantasy, folks. Ryan Fitzpatrick, no interceptions. He did uh, He did get uh, knocked around a bit. But he didn't throw any interceptions, and that's that's the key. Are they turning it around? No. Brandon Marshall, 114 yards and a touchdown for the 1-4 New York Jets. Redskins, Ravens. Uh, Ravens had a chance late, but they fall 16-10. Uh, both teams 3-2. and two. Kirk Cousins, 260 yards and a touchdown. Washington, only able to manage 50 yards on the ground, still still pulls it out because Joe Flacco, fairly inefficient, uh, f- took him 46 attempts to get to 210 yards. He did have a touchdown. Well, and they fired offensive coordinator Mark Tressman after this game, and it's easy to see why because their, their running game was a lot more efficient uh, yesterday than their pass game was, yet they still attempted far more passes. Yeah, and... Uh... West only got 95 yards on the ground. I, you know, I, I say only, but it's a, it's a team that's been struggling to get it. And they did look like they had it figured out last week. And West went over 100, and but back down under 100 this week, and she's not getting it done at all on offense for them. So understandable for them to move away from Tressman. Replaced him with uh, Marty Morningwig. <laughs> Marty, that's great. I love that guy. Uh, Cowboys continued their run without Tony Romo, improving to four and one. Uh, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals twenty-eight to fourteen down in Dallas. The loss drops the Bengals to two and three. Andy Dalton, two hundred sixty-nine yards and two touchdowns. Uh, both touchdowns went to Brandon LaFell in the loss. Ezekiel Elliott had one hundred thirty-four yards and two touchdowns. And Prescott, two twenty-seven and a touchdown through the air, and he had a rushing touchdown as well. It's getting harder and harder for me to believe Tony Romo is getting his job back. Well. Jerry said he is. Jerry says a lot of things. Yeah, but Jerry's the money. He's the also crazy, crazy money. He's also wildly unpredictable. Right. Um. There is a there is going to be a battle there. Uh. Whether it's this year when Romo's healthy or next year, Romo's getting up there. Romo's getting old. It's 
I thought he should have just retired when this injury happened. I think that if he wants to stay on as a backup, he might actually have a chance to finally get that Super Bowl ring. <laughs> yeah, uh, chronic chronic injuries to the back are, are not a great great thing to be playing with, and hopefully he'll figure that out at some point. You know, maybe he gets dealt somewhere. Maybe hey, uh, I know a place for him. Maybe they cut him. Cleveland. We keep talking about that. All these older quarterbacks finishing their careers in Cleveland give them a glimmer of hope. Um, but no, I I think the Cowboys would be right to go to Prescott for the rest of the season and going forward. Um, but I also wouldn't fault them if they went ahead and went back to Tony Romo. Everything he's given that franchise sometimes. Teams will get a little sentimental even if they shouldn't. Right. And I mean, some teams will and some teams won't. I honestly don't think that the Cowboys and more importantly, the Cowboys fans, I don't think that they're going to get sentimental about uh, a quarterback who, yeah, he's a he's a really great guy and he, he he's been really good, but he hasn't brought them the success. And I don't think that that team oh. management is going to but he he hasn't been the problem it's been the team that they build around him and i mean obviously they're a much much better team this year they've got the offensive line they've got the running back in place they've got the receivers you know they've still got the they've still got the tight end position locked up with jason witten did you see uh that massive stiff arm that he laid on that guy i did it was very entertaining i just watched it on a loop for about five minutes that's how tom spent his night last night he didn't prepare for this at all i just watched that yep pretty much um the wildest finish yesterday had to be that oakland san diego game the raiders improved to four and one on the year chargers dropped to one and four Another late fumble for the Chargers. Melvin Gordon fumbled. Uh, Oakland took that opportunity, turned it into points. And San Diego had a chance to tie it late. It was 34-31, and the snap comes back for the field goal, and they botched the hold. Ball went squirting away and got tackled, lost the game right there. It Every single game the Chargers have lost this year, they've had to lead late. I said it uh, uh, when we were talking about the... Uh the game against the Saints. The Chargers will continue to lose because that's what the Chargers do. That's true. Uh, they they did get 359 yards from Phillip Rivers, four touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams each had 117 yards. Uh, for the Raiders in the win, 317 yards and two touchdowns by Derek Carr. Amari Cooper had 138 and his first touchdown of the year. And Michael Crabtree nabbed his fifth touchdown of the season. Uh, the two other four and one teams, uh, the Falcons and Broncos, we touched on that a little bit earlier. Matt Ryan, 267 yards and a touchdown. Coleman, 132 yards and uh, receiving and a touchdown. Their defense had six sacks in this game. They had four total coming into yesterday. Uh, you know, a lot of that probably had to do with Paxton Lynch holding on to the ball a little bit too long, which you know, there were definitely plays where you could tell he was. Um, he finished with 223 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and those six sacks. Um, well, it just seems like that uh, the the Falcons have found a way on offense to get to that Broncos defense. Let's not forget that they did this last year and then finished eight and eight. Right, but they 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 just showed that the Broncos defense is not invincible. And that if you have a guy like uh, Matt Ryan, you can beat him. Yeah, but the Denver defense did adjust pretty well. And in the second half, really tightened things up. They just weren't able to come back on offense. Uh, one more note on that game afterwards, Gary Kubiak, Broncos head coach, was taken to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. Uh, they expect him to be all right. He did have that stroke at the halftime of Sunday Night Football a few years back. Yeah. So um, a little bit to worry about there, but they, it sounds 
like he's going to come through this with They're no problem. They're not sure if he's going to uh, coach on on Thursday. Right. Yeah, they do have the short week. They're playing San Diego next week on Thursday night football on CBS. We don't get paid for that. I just want you all to watch it. Um, the Isn't other that also on the Twitter too. I'm not sure if that's a Twitter game or not. You can check that out for yourselves. Uh, the other four o'clock game yesterday, the Bills beat the Rams 30 to 19. Both teams are three and two. Tyrod Taylor had two touchdowns. Also lined up behind the guard instead of the center on one play. Hey, but even the greats do that. I know Brett Favre did it once. Uh, I believe uh, Brady has done it at least once as well. But anyway, um, LaShawn McCoy, 150 yards rushing. Their defense had four sacks and two interceptions. Todd Gurley still struggling, only 72 yards, uh, 3.1 average for him. And he fumbled the ball twice, losing one. Well, sometimes you have a great season and sometimes you don't. And I, I still think he's a, a really good running back. He just, you know. The the whole the offense as a whole has it kind of together, and so it's less of an issue when they're winning the games. But when you're fumbling twice in a loss, then he's he'll be carrying that football around all week long. Right, right. Well, t- tough to see from a guy who was so good last year. Um, Sunday night football game last night. Uh, my Packers beat the Giants twenty-three to sixteen up at Lambeau. Drops the Giants to two and three, while Green Bay moves up to three and one. Uh, in the loss, Eli Manning had 199 yards and a touchdown. New York, 43 team rushing yards. The Packers still absolutely dominating teams as far as the run game goes. Right, and well, you 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 said it just a couple of minutes ago. You can't win if you can't run. Yeah, and honestly, they also don't have any really good running backs. Well, Jennings is hurt. Rashad Jennings is hurt, yeah. so that's a lot of it. Uh, they're yeah. running uh, with Orleans Darkwa, and uh, I can't even remember who the other guy was. Uh, Chris Rainey. Right. Um, and, so um, not a lot not a lot of production uh, for any team against the Packers this year. Yeah. That one touchdown was to Odell Beckham. Yeah, uh, after tumultuous week, uh, Beckham really tur- I mean, he turned in a solid performance. He right. had 56 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, it's not great, but when you look at how much their offense struggled, he was a highlight for them right after the touchdown he went over and uh he hugged the kicking net yeah made amends with the net after last week's nastiness good for him for uh for the packers aaron Rodgers uh finished with 251 yards two touchdowns two interceptions uh very rare to see how that many of him. them were his fault how um, many of them bounced off the hands of somebody else only yeah only one did he throw right to the defender uh the other one did bounce off of jordy nelson's hands a lot of drops for the packers last night very disappointing to see coming off the bye week uh both interceptions went to janoris jenkins as we said one off the deflection one on a uh Awesome diving play uh, for the Packers. Eddie Lacy had 81 yards and then was injured partway through the third quarter, did not return. Uh, Any third, updates on that? No, not not quite yet. I believe he's going to have an MRI or something of that nature sometime today. Uh, Randall Cobb had 108 yards, took a nasty hit at the end of the game, and so he will also be checked out today. Randall Cobb's really the the star of your wide receivers over there. Uh, as good as Jordy Nelson is, Randall Cobb does everything. Yeah, he comes out of the backfield a lot. He can throw the ball. He was a college quarterback. Uh, but yeah, good effort from him yesterday. Uh, really, he was the one that was moving the chains for Green Bay yesterday, uh, along with Eddie Lacy. Uh, Lacy ripped off a couple 10-plus yard runs. And I mean, Eddie Lacy looked very, very dominant yesterday yeah. uh, up until the injury. And he's he's looking... A heck of a lot better this year than he did last year. Yeah. I, I think getting called out like that and, and dropping those pounds. Well, he spent all summer doing the P90X. Right. And I even if he he uh, 
isn't the fastest back out there. He can still get the the, the yards, mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing. And you know, if he is out for any considerable amount of time, it's going to hurt some fantasy owners. Yeah, it's going to hurt in the, some in some deep leagues, and and it's going to hurt the Packers. That's what well, I'm concerned about. James Starks did not look good last night in relief. Um, but uh, we'll 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 know more once he gets tested and tries to practice on it this week. We'll see where things go. Uh, Packers take on the Cowboys at 425 on Fox next week. Uh, it might Jordan, be a uh, really good game. Jordy Nelson, uh, also in last night's game, got his fifth touchdown on the season. Uh, he's got a touchdown in every game this year. So, uh, four teams on the bye this week. Jaguars, who are 1-3. Chiefs are 2-2. Two two. Saints, 1-3, coming off that win in San Diego. And the Seahawks, 3-1. Uh, we got the Panthers and Buccaneers both one and three facing off on Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, should be a game. I'm not gonna say a good game, but should be well, a game. It'll be entertaining to uh, to watch yes. them uh, flail around out there. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, no Cam Newton for the Panthers. Uh, looks like they're going with uh, the Derek uh, Derek Anderson. That could be good news for them. Oh yeah, they did perform performed pretty well with him at quarterback last week uh late in the game against the falcons so we'll see uh, uh that's coming to you tonight at 8 30 on espn uh we're gonna cover golf again crazy but you're gonna cover row. golf i'm just gonna uh sit here and go mm-hmm, yep yeah sounds good uh, tiger woods is gonna make his comeback to the tour uh hasn't hasn't played in over a year he's going to come back to the safeway open on october 10th runs the 10th through the 16th at the silverado resort and spa in napa california tiger has 79 pga titles uh trailing sam sneed who has 82 um i think he can catch him don't know how how long it's going to take him but tiger is back so uh do you know who he's paired with i do not have any idea about any of that phil is he really phil mickelson huh did not know that. But yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing him back on the course. All right. And in our last discussion for the day, uh, pretty quick show when we don't have a third, third I can host. I can ramble for a few minutes if you need me to. Well, uh, uh, we'll play by ear. Okay. So uh, it was brought up to Dwayne Wade. He's now playing in Chicago. Uh, asked about whether or not LeBron can catch Michael Jordan as the greatest player in NBA history. Uh he said he doesn't think so, and it, you know, obviously always sparks a debate whenever you compare LeBron and, and Jordan, and we're going to give you our opinions on whether LeBron can catch Michael as the greatest of all time. Uh, well, yes. Yes, he can. Um, <clears throat> he's going to be with Cleveland for well, at least one more year here, um, and he's he's always done really well. They, they didn't, you know, they obviously only have the one championship in Cleveland. Uh, he's got the championships down in Miami and he's, he's, he's still, you know, the best player in the league. And I think he will be for several years to come. And I think the, the people who will argue that he doesn't have the championships that Michael did are, are wrong. Uh, because being the greatest player ever, uh, is not necessarily about winning championships in a team game. I definitely agree with you on that point. Um, that, that is one of my biggest issues with people that, if you look at, that disparage uh, him. If you look at Dan Marino, one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks, no Super Bowl. Warren Moon, one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks, no Super Bowl. I was rocking a Warren Moon jersey up at the Lions game yesterday. He was. He got a couple of uh, couple of compliments on it. Everybody loves Warren. Yep. And uh, it's just he's the number one player in the league right now. And he's the uh, he's the face of the league too. Now, seeing seeing people say, "Well, one on one, Michael would win easily." That's 
whether that's true or not. Happen. Right. It's never going to happen. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant because of the game. The game is different. Yeah. The the points that you know I I have to make on it are the fact that they are two completely different types of players playing in two completely different types of games. LeBron is six foot eight, two hundred fifty pounds. Michael was six foot six, one ninety five. And you know, just running through their stats, points per game, LeBron 27.2, Michael 30.1. Uh, you might say scoring is everything. You know, there are a lot of people that believe, you know, you score more points, you're the better player. That's fine to have that opinion. I don't necessarily agree with it. Rebounds per game, LeBron 7.2, Michael 6.2. Assists, LeBron 6.9, Michael 5.3. Field goal percent, almost identical, 49.8 to 49.7 for LeBron. LeBron has hit a bigger percentage of three-pointers, 34 to 32.7. Michael made way more, or uh, was better at making the free throws, way better at making them, uh, 83.5 to 74.4. But the big numbers that everybody talks about, Michael was 6-0 in the finals. LeBron is 3-4. And And so LeBron has won the finals MVP every time he's won won in the finals, and Michael won six. Uh, Jordan was a 14-time All-Star he played 14 seasons plus 17 games in 94, 95. And LeBron is a all-star in every season he's played so far, which I believe is 12. Uh, uh, I think so. Uh, LeBron has four MVPs. While Michael finished his career with five. Now, like I said, I, I think when you're talking about players from different generations, it's hard to say who's better and they, they are different types of players. LeBron is way more physical than Michael ever was. And yeah, LeBron does have the finesse game when he needs it, but his finesse game is nowhere near as good as Jordan's ever was. No, but he's, he's, I mean, he has not gotten any worse with age. And he's, I think he's kind of right at his peak right now. And, you know, every offseason you, you wonder, oh, he says he wants to do this, he wants to do that, you know, he wants to try football. And I think those are just, you know, <clears throat> those are just the little puff pieces that you have to run when there's no actual basketball news. Right. He's he's committed to winning more championships, and I think he'll do it. Well, and that's why he left Cleveland in the first place. I mean, you think about when he was there the first time around, he had no supporting cast. Right. The best player he ever played with was Shaq, and that was five, six years after Shaq was really Shaq. Right. So, you know, they that's why he left. They they wouldn't commit to giving him a team to play with, and so he, you know, famously took his talents to South Beach, where he had players to run with. Michael Jordan, throughout his career, always had Scottie Pippen at his side. Scottie Pippen's a very, very underrated player. Yeah. Um, Pippen could have made the Bulls a contender with that supporting cast on his own, I know they were a little bit rocked when Michael left and didn't right. perform as well in that se- in those two seasons. Well, that that was more a, a a thing of, you know, they kind of got so used to having him there, not having him there, kind of threw him for a loop. Right. Um, but you you can't question LeBron's commitment to winning titles or his commitment to the game of basketball. Um, I think when it comes to comparing the two of them. I don't think we should. I think we should just really appreciate them for what they are and what they have been instead of trying to pit them against each other. It's been, we've been lucky to be able to watch both of them throughout most of their careers. I, you know, I don't remember a lot of the pre-championship years for Jordan, but you know, we've been very, very lucky to be able to witness this and, you know, other superstars in the league as well. Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, you know, all these great players throughout the years. Dirk. Uh, Yep. Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry coming in their own 
over the past few years. Uh, you know, obviously, then you know the bigs from from the '90s: David Robinson, Hakeem yeah. Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing. You know, we've been very lucky with some of the players that we've seen go through the NBA, and it, it we just need to sit back and appreciate it instead of trying to argue about who is better. You know, I'm not going to sit right. here and try to tell you that Shaquille O'Neal was a better big man than Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm just going to sit here and feel blessed that we got to watch them play against each other. Absolutely. Now, when, when it comes down to it, if 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 I ask ask you the question who do you take if you have to uh if you have to pick one to captain your team to an nba championship which one do you take in this insane hypothetical situation i take Shaq because he actually won no, more tight no, I, we're talking oh i thought you were just i thought you were talking about the uh, comparison i had just made oh no no we're, we're talking uh lebron and yeah, michael okay you're back on lebron and michael um yeah. you know well i mean it, it again it depends it's two different eras of basketball if we're playing today's game, I take LeBron. If we're playing the game of 20 years ago, I take Michael. It's you, it's hard to compare across the generations. You know, how would Tim Duncan have fared against Kareem? How would Dirk uh, have matched up against Wilt? Well, I'm going to go with not well at all on that one. <laughs> You're probably right, but... Um, but no, I, I think if it came down to you have one season and you have each of these players at their prime, who do you pick? I have to pick Michael because... I I feel like he could win in any type of situation, any type of basketball being played. He'd find a way to win, except with the Washington Wizards. Well, that wasn't basketball. That was uh, some sort of sick joke. That was a gimmick for them to sell tickets. Um, when it comes down to it, I think LeBron has the ability to surpass Michael, but I don't think he will. How many more championships do you think it takes for people to say that he's better? Yeah. Uh, at least three. So he would have to be six and four in finals appearances, while Michael would be six and zero. Oh, people would still say that Michael's better. People would still say that he's better, but he did only make it to six. Whether or not you win the championship, you got there ten times. No, That's I, saying something. I agree. No, I completely agree with you. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that don't. A lot of people look down on Jim Kelly well, those, yeah. and, and, those, and those and those and those 1990s Bills teams, but those Bills teams made it to four straight Super Bowls. Right. I was actually uh, Saturday night. I was uh, up at the bar talking to this uh, this guy talking about football, and I, I mentioned to him a couple of uh, a couple of those teams. At, at least two of those Bills teams were the better team. Uh, against the Giants and um, the Redskins, yes. those teams, mm-hmm. they were they were the better team, and it just didn't shake out. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, you do deserve a lot of credit for getting there, but there are those people that say you didn't win it, so it doesn't matter. You know, Peyton Manning made it to four Super Bowls, but he's always criticized for the two that he lost instead of being good enough to make it to right. the, to them. The two that he lost, uh, Seattle's defense just was one of the best defenses I had ever seen in that Super Bowl, yeah. and the Saints just wanted it more. Well, the you know the botched route there at the end of the game, and Porter kind of knowing it was coming. Yeah, the, you know the mixture of those two things, perfect storm for that. You know, it would have been nice to see that game go into overtime. That would have been that have been pretty cool, pretty fitting way for that Super Bowl to end. Um, but no, I mean, you know, the comparison game we play it across all sports. You know, who is better, Peyton or Brady? Why can't we just appreciate that we got to watch both of them play for so long? Well. I, I definitely I agree with you there, but the hypotheticals are always fun to run through, you know. Yeah, well, I mean the hypotheticals are, hypotheticals are fun to run through, but then you get these people that are so hardcore about it, and you know they they've got such a strong opinion on it. But uh, I just I I just wish we could just appreciate what we have, you know. 
is Aaron Rodgers the best Packers quarterback in history? Well, how about we just appreciate the fact that from 1992 until now, we haven't had to worry about who the worst Packers quarterback in history is. Right. That was 1991, I believe. No, Don Mikowski was not that bad. I've got, I've got a, a message here from, from David about the Monday night game here. Uh, he's uh, still off in Denver. He texted me this. He says, uh, what is there to say about the Monday night game? You have perennial AFC South disappointment, Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting division rival, and uh, rival is in the uh, scare quotes, uh, and defending duds. Carolina Panthers. No one expects anything from either team anymore, and I certainly don't expect this game to be worth watching. It's unlikely to have any playoff implications or entertainment value. That's uh, straight from David. Uh, there will be an entertainment value. People still have fantasy players going. Right. Like, is Greg Olson going to get me the seven points I need to defeat you? I'm going to defeat you anyway, by the way. I don't need those seven points. <laughs> yeah, not a great great fantasy season for me. Um, Gary Kubiak expected to be released from hospital on Monday. We're just coming down. Uh, he was diagnosed with a complex migraine condition that caused extreme fatigue and body weakness. He received medication and is feeling much better with an expected release from the hospital this afternoon. Uh, there's no word right now on whether or not he'll rejoin the Broncos who play in San Diego on Thursday night. So that's just coming across right now. I also saw a thing. Uh, Cody Kessler expected to start next week. Oh, that's unfortunate so, for Cleveland. Really? Is it, though? Because out of the five options they've had so far this season at quarterback, he's the second best. Behind McCown, right? I really hope you're talking about McCown because he played exceptionally well in that yeah. Ravens game. Well, I mean, given that RG3 went down in, you know, half a game. Right. Um, a couple more things just coming across right now. So, you know, we, we're down a host, so things are a little bit short today. Uh, so we got a little time for freewheeling conversation. Uh, Randall Cobb via Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette about last night's hit at the end of the game. Got folded up like a lawn chair. I laid there for a second. Then I turned over and like I had 15 faces in front of me. So I thought I had died or something. They kind of scared me more than anything. Yeah, I took a shot and it hurt. But whenever I saw everybody standing around me, I thought I had died. And then I felt I saw I could move my fingers and, and my feet. So I knew it was all right. Uh, kind of like we said, nine catches for 108 yards. And a tough hit at the end of the game there. But good to hear that he's all right. Um, doesn't say whether or not he will be undergoing any tests. So, uh, more news from the NHL, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau of the Florida Panthers, a team that some people forget exists, uh, is going to be out, uh, three to four months with a leg injury. Got his, uh, his ankle cut by a skate in the last preseason game against the Devils and he had to have surgery and he's going to be out. That's a big loss for them. That is, it's huge. I, I, I don't know that they make the playoffs without him. Oh, uh, we're seriously just freewheeling discussion time. We're just slipping through stories right now. Trying to fill up a little bit more time for you guys. Hope to boost the entertainment factor a little bit. Uh, we are going to dive in our last thing for the day. Um, we've got our stadium of the week. And it was actually one that I was at this weekend that most of you will never see and have probably never heard of. Uh, Rynearson Stadium up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, where the Eastern Michigan Eagles play football. Um, it's a small college stadium it only seats 30,200 people and i i was in the marching band when i went to eastern michigan and so i got to march on the field there and be part of the game day atmosphere uh for a whole season and it's a fun place to be for a football game unfortunately they don't ever fill up um you know of those 30 30,000 seats they may fill 20 um it was built back in uh, 1968. They've had a couple expansions, one in 1974, one in 1992. And uh, 
the uh, EMU EMU team hasn't hasn't been too good throughout the years. So the stadium itself is a real draw. It's surrounded by the old Marshall track, um, and really cool. You can see the convocation center in the background of the stadium. It's a nice backdrop. Um, they uh, they installed a gray field turf in 2014. And if you if you guys check out our Facebook page, I posted a couple pictures of it. It's uh, along the same lines as Boise State's blue field and Western Kentucky's red field. It it makes the game not really difficult to watch, but very different to watch at first. But probably about midway through the second quarter, you, you kind of start to not really not really notice that it's a different color anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, you're you're focusing on the action and and the the shock value of hey, why isn't the field green right. has worn off. Um, yeah, I've, I've also been up there a couple of times and I also got to march on the field once. Uh, it, it is a pretty cool game day atmosphere up there. Uh, nothing, you know, close to at the bigger schools, you know, not, not even really close to anything else in the Mac in terms of, of, of size. It's a very small stadium and, uh, but it's, it's got its own, you know, charm, I guess. Um, player of note to have played there, Charlie Batch. Yeah, Lions starting quarterback from uh, late 90s, early 2000s, quarterback at EMU. Went on to have success with the Steelers as a backup. By success, that just means he held a clipboard really well. Um, He won. One one of the things I I really do like about EMU Stadium, uh, it's open-ended on the other side, across from the Convocation Center. It it doesn't really open up into anything, but just the, the openness... It, it's different from a lot of the other places that we've been to. Um, you don't you don't really see just nothing at the end of a stadium. You know, there's always some building or something, but there you know, it's just nice nice open space. And I know there's a lot there's not a lot to talk about with a you know a stadium like this. But you, you just have to be there and and see the charms for yourself. And I hope you guys can get that from the pictures I was posting. Uh, EMU when they when they come out of the field. They they refer to the stadium as the factory, and they always build up this brick wall, and the players come busting through it as they come out to charge onto the field. It's a nice moment uh, right before kickoff. And, uh, another great thing that they do there is when they're playing the national anthem towards the end, they release a bald eagle from the top of the stadium, and it comes down to perch right around the 30-yard line. A uh, really awesome moment. Um, I did I believe the bird is a rescue from what some people were telling me uh, when I was talking to him up there, uh, which is also a very nice thing. Yeah, I reckon that makes sense. You know, you're not just going to go out and catch yourself a bald eagle. Well, maybe you're not, but I have plans after the show. You have to work after the show. After I catch a bald eagle. Well, you better hurry. You know what? I think I will. So we are going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, you know, guys, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for today's show. I wish we were a little more entertaining for you. I guess David adds a little bit more than we thought he did. Well, maybe maybe we upgrade him from uh, from friend of the show to host. Junior host. Junior host? Junior host. Okay. So we'll be back next week. Mike, Tom, and junior host, David. 